females and I was the only girl leading the team. And my experience through that was one of the main reasons why I'm, I started Kodats, which is competing and with even in your own team with men was so intimidating. Mm-hmm. I was constantly being told like, you don't know enough. Maybe you should do the presenting. If I called my teammates, they would not pick up the phone. They would leave me hanging, you know, mm-hmm. like it was very challenging. And I was like thinking like, I wish there were more females on in this sector that I could spar with, you know, that we're not only seen as, hey, you look pretty, just present because that's all you're good at, you know? Mm-hmm. And um I was frustrated. I had to go through a lot of challenges. And at the end, when we won the competition, I still was faced with, hey, um, it wasn't your idea, it was my idea. And I want to come and take the whole project from you, you know. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, My new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, if you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. In today's episode, we're speaking with Julie Sundar. Julie moved to Dutch-speaking Suriname from Guyana when she was eight years old. Even though their family was very poor, her mother was insistent that her children would have a good education. A TV show got Julie interested in coding, and being the only woman on a hackathon team pushed her to create an environment where women felt valued. Today, she runs Codet, an organization that teaches women from the ages of 14 to 50 electronics, programming, digital fabrication, business modeling, and investor-ready pitches. This is her story. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for being on the show. I am so excited for the world to hear your story. So thank you for making the time. Hi, Malini. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to share my story. Thank you. You have a very fascinating journey. And I think it's important, you know, especially for uh, women, women of color to hear it because life doesn't work out the way we want it to. But you have done a really, really amazing job of picking up whatever is around you and making something of it. So tell me a little bit more about yourself you were born in Guyana but now you live in Suriname um what was what was it like growing up you know did you have a plan on what you wanted to be you know how how was it so tell me more so I'm I was actually born in um Georgetown Guyana I would uh, canal number one I would call it um the farmlands I'm actually a farm girl um, growing up in Guyana, it was as, as a child it was very adventurous. We literally had 
my grandmother actually had an 8.4 acre land where um, my father and mother would farm and everything we farmed, that's what we basically would eat. We were actually um, extremely poor. Um, I have two brothers, um, one brother from my father's um, previous um, relationship and another brother who is one year older than me um, from my mother and my father. Um, my other brother, Victor, he's currently living in Guyana. Um, growing up in um, Canal Number One, um, we literally lived in a house that had no windows or um, a roof. We, we, when we were younger, we would uh, literally lay on the sand. Mm -hmm. um, life was tough. Uh, my mom had a little shop where she would sell um, just local products so we could um, survive. And my father was a carpenter and he would also work in the interior just to make money for us. So he was hardly ever home. Mm -hmm. um, as a child, it's fun and exciting, but uh, my mother wanted more for us. As when my mother was younger, she, at the age of 14, she traveled the world um, babysitting and she saw the life outside of Guyana and, and Suriname and she wanted that for us. So she was not really satisfied with that life, especially not for my brother and I. And she, and the relationship between my mother and my grandmother was not that good. There was a lot of um, family problems and drama. And for a child, looking back now, it, it was not a healthy environment for my brother and I. So one day out of the blue, my mother just decided to pack her bags and um, moved us to Suriname. My father had no idea that my mother was doing this, so he was left <laughs> back again. <laughs> but uh, like, I think two weeks later, my father ended up coming to Suriname too because he wanted to have his family back and live and be together as one family. Mm -hmm. um, after we moved to Suriname, um, we only spoke English and Suriname is a Dutch-speaking country. So my mm -hmm. mother tried to put us in the um, Dutch school first off, but I was already eight years, if I'm correct, and my brother nine, and they wanted to put us in the um, first grade. And my mother did not want that for us again. She was determined to um, determined for us to have a better education, so she decided to put us in the English school, which is a private school. It's called uh, Christian Liberty Academy. Mm -hmm. It's Christian-based. But um, having to go to the English school, um, it was quite expensive for us because, yes, we were poor. We did not have the money. So my mom ended up um, working extra hours and um, taking a loan from my grandmother. My grandmother was in America, uh, is in America. And um, my brother and I, to be able to go to school, we had to have excellent grades. And we also had to clean the classrooms to afford going to school. So I started in first grade, uh, second grade, but then I got put back to first grade because my English wasn't that good. And I was not an excellent student back then in Ghana. I, I was in 13th place while my brother was like first. And um, yeah, so we ended up cleaning class. And from, from the first grade to the 12th grade, we had to be excellent students or we would not get the privilege of not having to pay the full tuition. Mm -hmm. um, Going through CLA, um, uh, I became a devoted Christian, actually, in the first part of my life. And my ambition and my goal was basically to worship God and have my own family in the end and um, just have a simple life. I didn't want to do more. Like, and As a child, I also want what I wanted to be when I grew up was first a detective and an astronaut. And, nice. Uh, yeah, like 
yeah, detective and an astronaut. Uh, that was my dream. <laughs> but um, after going through CLA, I was extremely humble. I didn't have any drive to do a lot because, you know, you were told like, hey, as a Christian, you don't, you should just be humble and have a simple family, worship God, everything you do is for God. Um, and um, after graduating CLA, um, that's in 2012, I, um, the goal was actually uh, rewinding. The goal was for my mom after graduating school, we, we, should, we could go to America to continue our studies because my grandmother was there. Like I mentioned earlier, my mother had traveled the world when she was younger, traveled to a few countries and she wanted that for us. But after graduating, um, we did not have the financing to go to America. Only winding my mother in 2012, sorry, had left to America. She had left actually when I was 11, yes. And after graduating in 2012, we did not, my brother and I did not have the financing to continue. And because we were in um, Suriname and it was a Dutch speaking country, it was difficult for me to get into the university here because um, I would have to take two years extra to study on, on the Dutch. And that's not what I wanted to do. I guess I was stubborn in learning Dutch. I should do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I should, that's, that's a dog ball for me. Um, but after graduating CLA, I, I wanted to do more, but there was not a lot of opportunities in Suriname for an English speaking person. If I applied for any jobs, they would be like, hey, you don't speak Dutch, so you can't even get a sales job, you know? Mm -hmm. But I ended up, after graduating, working in sales. I got a few, like, part-time jobs, selling shoes, selling clothes. Mm -hmm. And you would literally work an entire month for absolutely no money, you know? And um, uh, I was in a relationship back then with uh, my best friend. Um, and he, I was looking at this series called Person of Interest, and I was like, wow, this is so interesting, like the coding and the programming. Programming, And I was like, wow, I want to get into something like that if, I, if I'm thinking of um, having a career, you know. And uh, he, was, he got introduced to this gentleman that was going to do a six-month um, programming course, literally basically CSS and HTML web, web mm -hmm. building, website mm -hmm. building. And he introduced me to him and I was interested. I ended up... Um, doing that course but I was extremely disappointed because I paid back then like a thousand dollars for a six-month program and I ended up training his class and I felt I, I felt a bit ripped off you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and at the, at the same time I went on vacation to visit my mother in America and then I had like I thought about it like I don't feel like this is fair and when I came back I I told him that I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But through him, I'm grateful that um, he introduced me to this organization called IT Corps. Mm -hmm. IT Corps is a nonprofit organization in Suriname where they, um, their goal is to um, develop the ICT sector here in Suriname by doing events for kids and from like 6 to 15 and, and hosting hackathons, which is a uh, 24-hour hacking competition where you build software applications mm -hmm. to develop the skills of the 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 you know the students etc here in the community mm -hmm. and i uh, he introduced me to it core and um, i met the chairman and the secretary and 
during my period of deciding if I want to continue in with um, the gentleman and his course, I expressed my frustration to the chairman of IT Corps that, hey, I want to stop with tech. This is frustrating. I want to go and do accounting. And his reaction was like, no, you're not going to do accounting. Accounting is boring, you know. <laughs> and he, he said to me, because um, I was volunteering there, teaching kids robotics with Lego. He said to me, because I see that you're driven driven and determined and you were willing to volunteer um, for free, you know, and just come early and help out, I am willing to mentor you for free. But you just have to show up at the time at the lab and, um, you know, work hard. And I was like, yes, uh, I would love to, you know, uh, get this opportunity. And I, he ended up mentoring me for a few months. And um, there was an opening at his office, at his uh, yeah, office, and he offered me a job. And I was so ec- uh, excited and, and about that because that was the first time I ever had a real job that's not sales and like standing in front of people and selling shoes, you know, it was like a big deal for me. And I had to be all dressed up in formal clothes and stuff and go to the office. I was so excited. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, how old, so how old were you when, he, when you were offered this job? Uh, I think 20, 20 or 19, I think 20, yeah, 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 and um, yeah, where was I, yeah, so he mentored me, um, and eventually uh, he, he told me, like, I can't mentor you anymore, now you need to participate in local hackathon and hackomation to further develop your skills, because it's not only about you studying, it's about you using it practically in your every, like, to build yourself up you know mm-hmm. so I was back then in the ICT sector there was no females or hardly any female you know so I was so scared but I was like I'm gonna do it you know I I, I was like challenge accepted that's my 101 there you go <laughs> so I, yeah that was 2014 yes 2014 actually it's longer yeah and uh, much longer than when I, yeah so 2014, I formed, a, I assembled our girls team and we participated in our first local hackathon. And I can say that uh, we lost brutally <laughs> that hackathon. <laughs> we, were, we were the underdogs. Oh, my you know, we, when it was time to present, we literally just had one mock-up screen and mm-hmm. we presented that. And, um, but I was so um happy that the community just stood and applauded us because we were the first all-girls team and we 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 tried you know we did the steps we learned and I said okay um, I'm gonna come back and um, I'm gonna come back and try to win this thing you know I'm not gonna give up here <laughs> and the following year that's 2015 there was the first Hacklemation. Hacklemation is a um, uh, hacking competition also but uh, duration is three months and you do hardware integrated software and you have to build an end-to-end iot prototype so i worked really hard from literally um eight in the morning to four and four in the morning like repeatedly eight in the morning to 12 in the night you know just working on my skills and developing the solution with my team and we ended up winning in 2015 the first hack nation in in Suriname wow yeah so from underdogs you were the first girls team to win actually no in that team it was I was the only girl actually my team got disassembled the females and I was the only girl leading the team and my experience through that was one of the main reason why I started Kodat 
which is competing and with even in your own team with men was so intimidating. Mm-hmm. I was constantly being told like, you don't know enough. Maybe you should do the presenting. If I called my teammates, they would not pick up the phone. They would leave me hanging, you know, mm-hmm. like it was very challenging. And I was like thinking like, I wish there were more females on in this sector that I could spar with, you know, that we're not only seen as, hey, you look pretty, just present because that's all you're good at, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And um I was frustrated. I had to go through a lot of challenges. And at the end, when we won the competition, I still was faced with, hey, um, it wasn't your idea. It was my idea. And I want to come and take the whole project from you, you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah. And after that, the following year, um, I assembled an all-girls team and and one gentleman. And we participated in the local hackathon 2016, and we won first place for that one too. Awesome! We yeah, <laughs> it was amazing because it was the same team from um, 2014. Okay. Yeah, so we were ecstatic. We built an augmented reality customer experience for the the telecom um, company here in Suriname. And back then, Pokemon Go was the, the hype thing, gamified thing. So mm-hmm. it was relevant. And I, I can say we competed with all the top dogs in Suriname. You know, nice. 80, 80 people and all the top teams. And we came first. So I felt like that was an, an, an amazing achievement for us. You know, of like course. we proved ourselves mm-hmm. there. And um, after that, we participated in the Fish Hackathon. We came second. And then we got selected for um, uh, this international pitch Akri hack at um, Kigali, Rwanda, all the way in Africa. And this was an experience for me where um, my team was not able to go with me to Africa. I had to go all the way there alone and pitched an IoT for agriculture solution because wow. there were some issues with flights and we wouldn't have make it in time. Mm-hmm. And I flew 16 hours from Suriname to Paramaribo. Yeah, from Par- from Paramaribo. Uh, no, Suriname, sorry, to um, Netherlands, sorry, from Netherlands to to Kigali alone. And I was terrified because of like massacre and all that thing, you know, from oh the past. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know? And I was, but um, the chairman of ITCO was always there to reassure me that nothing's going to go wrong because he made sure they're responsible for me and it was always on call. And and he always said, yeah, you're really good at making friends, even on the plane that you make friends. Like, don't be scared. <laughs> 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 and he was right. I always, always made friends in the planes. When I landed there, um, I was from the Caribbean and two other friends of mine from, from Jamaica. So I linked up with them and we were representing the Caribbean islands. And I, it was an amazing experience. I pitched our solution. I didn't win, but um, the solution is relevant for their market as it is for ours because their agriculture sector is huge there. And the only difference is with us is that our our community is so small, it's 700,000 people. And only in, I think, Rwanda is 20 million or 200 million people. So I learned that if we can build a solution here and and have it reach market in Kigali or in Africa itself, it would be, uh, you know. What a, what a market, right? I mean, it's an yes, op- opening market. I mean, oh, my gosh, that's yes. amazing. 
Yeah, so I ended up establishing Claudette's foundation in Kigali for when we're going to go back because my goal is to go back or to partner with um, with uh, a team there and 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 send our products over there to pilot, you know. But we're working towards that um, currently. So, so tell me, um, with, at what point did you start Codets? Because that it is a nonprofit that you started, right? So when yes. when did you start that? And how, how did okay, that come started, about? How did that come about? Was it based on like the hackathon or was it before the hackathon that you got the Codets? Um, the Codets, um, the, the 2016 hackathon we won was was the last hackathon. And then I think Pitch Acre Hack was also 2018. Yeah, no, I started Codets in 2018. The reason why we started Codets Foundation was because we wanted to also, yes, apply for the Pitch Acre Hack community to be established. But the Codex Foundation idea has always been in planning since the 2015 experience with these guys, uh, you know, thinking mm-hmm. it's a man's world in there. I was constantly braining with uh, Theo on, um, hey, let's set up this community for girls where I could train them, I could inspire them, I could work with them so we could have more girls in the field. And then when we got the opportunity to um, be part of the Pitch Acre Hack, I was like, or we were like, let's establish this foundation because we want our team to go regional, um, mm-hmm. international, sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's where it actually started. The initial idea was to just have an online community where I would make uh, tutorial videos and this, the students could, or the girls that are interested could learn at home, you know? So I, I made some tutorial videos on tech topics, Arduinos um, and other microcontrollers, et cetera. Everything I learned, I gave back, you know, because I was like, that's the only way I'm not going to wait. I'm a person, I'm not going to wait until everything is perfect to start. The videos might not have been perfect. My audio was terrible. I had to wait for the rain to stop and the neighbors to stop playing their music before I could record. <laughs> I literally recorded on my phone in my brother's half done kitchen because he was still building his house. I had like a green screen pinned up with like clothes clips. (laughs) You have to be creative. You know what? Yeah. And that's perfectly okay. (laughs) And that's how we did it. And yeah, we started Kodat's Foundation. And um, uh, yeah, so... So after uh, you founded the organization, you were initially mm-hmm. just doing videos so that you could give back, but now you're actually doing training. How did, how did you go from videos to like helping women, you know, train so that they can get jobs? How did that happen? Exactly. So um, 2018 or 2019, I'm, I'm getting mixed up with the date. 2019, you graduated, but yes, I think it was 2000. Yeah. Beginning of 2019. Yes. Um, we, Theo told me, he's the chairman, Theo Bomsma is chairman of IT Corp. Um, he's my mentor, of course, everything he hears, he relays it to me. And I take the opportunity because I'm always like challenge accepted. <laughs> but he was like, uh, there's a, he told me that there is a Fab Academy um, um, going on in 2019. I never heard of Fab Academy, but in Fab Academy, you learn the skills, how to um, work with machines and how to design your own PCB boards. Like you work with the 3D printer, laser, CNC, etc. And um, I think how many students, eight students from Suriname would potentially get selected to, to be part of the Fab Academy sponsored. The, the, the government would pay for us to be part of it. If I'm interested. 
initially I was like, no, I'm not. I'm so busy. And he was like, no, you always say no first, but you sh- we, sh- we should do this, you know. And then I was so close to not taking part in this this class, but I was like, okay, let's do it. You know, if we talk back about it now, we'd laugh about how stubborn I was. <laughs> so we both uh, uh, <laughs> submit to be part of it because um, Teo's g- dreams also was to set up a fab lab here in Suriname. And uh, we did it. And I can say that I came top of my class and Theo and I were really good at designing PCBs, um, printed circuit boards, that after graduating in 2019, um, we had to go all the way to Egypt for our graduation. And the students from all around the world came to us and be like, how did you guys figure out how to get this working? Like, we had all these equipments and we didn't know how to do it. And we realized like, hey, even though we were from Suriname, this small little village, we have some skills, you know? And um, Theo, out of his own, um, you know, financing, he set up a lab next to his house. And we got the sponsorship to get the machines like the CNC, the laser um, printers and equipments for um, building these PCBs and building these IoT solutions from scratch. And like I mentioned, um, everything that we learned, we always try to give back. And I was like, um, the, the, the price for like the cost for doing this program was $5,000 per student for five months. And we will not be able to afford that per student in Suriname. So I decided to develop a curriculum um, that obviously is, goes from less intensive to, 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 the, to the maximum um, level to train the girls here, but um, via sponsorship. So I get sponsored and I, I um, use that financing to train them exactly what I, I learned in the Fab County. And um, instead of just one student, I would have 15, you know. So um, we wrote up a project to the U.S. Embassy and they believed in the project and they sponsored us. Nice. And that's where I did my first, yes, I did my first Codex Bootcamp. And instead of it being five months, I extended it to a year. Because from after having the girls send in their, their videos as to why they're interested, I realized none of them had a background in ICT. And I at least had um, like three years experience before I participated in Fab Academy. So I need to get them up to par because I cannot have them fall short and tell them, hey, when you're done with my program, you can participate in Fab Academy because it was intensive. Mm-hmm. So um, we did that um, in 2019. Um, yeah, end of 2019, 2020. And, and some of the students are still round, rounding off. And we were able to bring 15 girls from the age of uh, 14 to, to the age of 50. Wow. Teach them from no background in ICT to learning basics to advanced level of electronics, programming, and digital fabrication. Um, they learned project management, learned to work with Linux, Raspberry Pi, microcontroller, design their own PCB, work with CNC lasers, um, 3D printers, how to 3D design objects, how to pitch them, how to build business canvases, all of this within a one-year program period. There were also, I also made it a made it a requirement for them to participate in the first Hackovation, the, the Hackovation, the local Hackovation. So they had to assemble a team and participated also to add to their CV and build their experiences like I had to. <laughs> and my my girls actually won first place for the Hackovation. Oh, you should be yeah. so proud. Yes. And and my you oldest student uh, and, and 
which is Ivy and Sophie, they were both in my first 2014 mm. team, Kodat's team. Nice. So, yeah, working the hack code. I was so proud. Yeah, I was extremely proud. <laughs> so yeah. after they after they complete this one year program, because now you've had the Codets doing this for it's like 2019, right? So it's been a yes. a year, almost yeah. two years. So what yeah. happens after they complete the program? Do they like go out? Sorry, it's it's 2020. It's one year. Yes, sorry. I mean, okay. So okay. So yeah. they just completed. So it's only been a year. So yeah. what happens after they complete that program? Okay, after they complete complete the program, they will be, um, they will have the skills to work in any local labs, any regional labs, or even participate in the Fab Academy. After participating in Fab Academy, they're qualified to work in 50 countries around the world. Wow. Um, if we're looking at just locally, they're skilled enough to build um, a, a local solutions, solutions for our local and also regional markets. Because they're not only learning one skill, they're learning how to build an entire end-to-end IoT solution. So they're fully capable of using that skills in whatever field they're going to do want to be in when it comes to like the tech or the fab space or the maker space. So how many yeah. students did you admit in that first year? Fifteen. Fifteen. 15. Okay. And all yeah. of them, right? And that's what you were saying. You still have a couple, some students are still waiting to finish, right? Yeah. I have 10 that will be graduating soon. Uh, in a week and five that has to after they finish the the, the requirements the task then they'll be graduating because must, working with these yeah <laughs> you must be so you're like a proud mama watching your babies graduate <laughs> right <laughs> i'm so proud yes <laughs> oh my goodness and, and they surprised me because working with late with these ladies um i realized that every one of them faced so many challenges especially because they're moms because they're married or you know they the, the path for a woman is yes you need to get married and have children and be in a family situation you know some of them some of them literally came to me break down crying that they really want to continue but they can't because they're having um problems with their you know mm-hmm. family at family. home mm-hmm. and, yeah and sometimes I, I do understand the challenges that they're they're going through mm-hmm. but that's why I also realized that it is much harder for a woman to um to make it in this space because you have to constantly be ahead of the game mm-hmm. and then you're faced with the mommy challenges and the the wife challenges and the you know the emotional challenges mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did my best to um for those that have all these um challenges at home I try to make the program a little bit easier for them or even put in more effort in helping them um when um we had a visitor from the u.s embassy um michael barrera he um, came in to see what we were doing and and i pitched to him what we covered so fast and his question to me was um he used to be an entrepreneur too and then he became a diplomat and he was like how are you able to work with all of these women at different age groups and at their different times and and i was like yes it's quite challenging because i have to put in the extra effort in making it to the lab and, and making time available to teach them based on their own schedule, you know, and their, mm-hmm. their own pace, because I have like this 14 year old that is super hyper and cannot focus, but she needs to do the same thing as the 50 year old mom with three kids and a husband, you know, they have to be on the same level at the end of the day, because I can't pick one over the other, you know? Right. So yes, you have to constantly work with their speed and their focus and their mentality. 
I learned a lot. I learned a lot. It was for me a pilot. Mm-hmm. So if I would do it again, I would change some things, you know, um, and make it a bit more efficient for me. But it was an experience. So you have, you've completed one year of your um, one year program. So are you going to, you said you are going to do this again? So when? Yes, I am. I am focusing on doing this again. My goal is to do it uh, uh, in September. Um, but at the same time, I'm also doing a younger pro- project, uh, a smaller project, sorry, to younger students, which is the, basically the same th- things, but on an introductory level. So I'll be running those two programs simultaneously. You're going to be so busy. You're going to be so busy. The younger group, I think, is more challenging, isn't it? Because you got to keep their attention. Actually, it's it's actually not. I was surprised. I would think the younger group will be more challenging for me because they're not as focused. But because the program is less intensive, it suits their age group. Because what, with, the, with the higher group, the younger kids, it's hard for them to focus because it's really challenging. Oh, okay. But my experience with the younger group is from ages 14 to, it's unlimited. But the last group that I had, I had age 14, 16, 18, um, 20, 21. Um, they touch introduction level of program electronics and digital fab. They just work with a 3D printer. And they build solutions for the pandemic. And nice. like um, automatic um, hand sanitizer system, they contactless um, door open, you know, and measuring the body temperature, etc. And um, these students were really um, determined. For one, they were they, they they studied a lot at home. They were able to work on their own, and they were very humble. And they listened to. They really took my my word to heart. If I tell them you have to execute ABCD, they would do it, you know? So it, it was really pleasant working with these students and these girls, because they're at that age, they really are looking for a role model. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for, hey, should I get into the tech field or not? Because they're they're in their school where they have to decide, do I want to take plan A or plan B, go into tech or go into accounting, just like <laughs> where I was. And they would come and say like, Miss Julie, um, I really wanted to get into tech, but it's kind of boring, you know, like, and then when they get into the, our, pro, our program and they see how fun it can be and, and how, you know, you can make um, exciting um, new projects and, and, and relevant projects. They were like, yeah, I, I really think this is for me. And that's what I, I am really happy that I could do for these students here. Now that's amazing. Sort of role model for them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you had, you had a mentor and somebody, you know, helped you and you're giving back. And I yes. think that's, that's actually really phenomenal. So now for these people, for these kids who are joining, so is all your programs already sponsored? Do they have to pay something or is it all taken care of because you're sponsored? Um, for the, the two programs I did already, um, it was all sponsored. I, I had the students pay nothing, you know, it's completely free. Um, because that's Theo's and I and I motto. We try to give opportunities to those that are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I've learned is that sometimes students think because it's totally free that they will drop out or mm-hmm. not take it as serious. Even though the the value for one of my students is basically five thousand dollars per mm-hmm. student. Right. They, they they get it for free and they're like, oh, I won't show up for class because it's free you know, mm-hmm. but for this time, when I have the students come in, I just let them pay a commitment fee, which is basically nothing. It's just a hundred SRD, mm-hmm. you know, which is about $10 or, or less, you know, $5. And at the end of the program, if they complete it, they get their, their money back. 
it's just a deposit for their commitment because I did have two students um, drop out and I would have loved to have another student that would have wanted this opportunity. So that's something after piloting, I realized I will do. Now, that, I think that's a very smart thing because that way they have some skin in the game. Otherwise, they, they'll take exactly. it for granted, right? For granted, exactly, yes. No, it's I, all I, a learning curve, yeah. Yep, so. yep, yep. <laughs> now, you should be so proud of achieving your goals because I don't think you thought that you would be doing all this stuff, right? Because you were like, oh, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to get an engineering degree. But yeah. you're actually planning to go to university now, are you? Yes, yes, I am. Um after graduating CLA, you have to have a certain amount of electives to be able to get into the university. And um, I was short two electives because I thought like I would stay in CERN and probably get married, have a family, live a simple life, you know, no, I'm like really ambitious. And um, now after doing all of this work, I realized I do want to have get a degree and I want to get a degree in business and robotics. Nice. Tech is close to heart, so I would love to do robotics first, mm-hmm. but I think business is what I should do first because of my organization, mm-hmm. and I do want to scale up. So I'm going back currently to CLA to finish chemistry and advanced math, and I might take calculus for my own, um, you know, for myself. Mm-hmm. And after completing that, which I'm sprinting, I'll be finished in two months. I will sign up for this program, this which I already have in contact with um, the business program. And then after that, I will do robotics. I've done a few robotics courses already, um, robotics, introduction to robotics and robotics vision online. And I really loved it. So I would love to do it again and actually get a degree in that field. And the goal is um, the end goal for me. And my dream is, which I hope I am able to achieve is to build a innovation school in Suriname. Nice. That's what I want to do. Yes, build our own school here and be able to expand regional, starting with Guyana and Trinidad, because I do have some friends there and we've been in contact with how we are going to do that. That is very, very cool. So you, girl, you should be so proud. You know, woman, immigrant, running a nonprofit organization, helping with the community, getting these people off their feet, you know, on their feet and helping to be independent. So what would you tell others, especially those, you know, who are marginalized and, you know, want to follow their dreams? What advice would you want to give them based on your experience? Based on my experience, um, I would say always uh, keep your eye open for opportunities because I did not have the financing, but if I was not looking, I would never see the opportunity in front of me. If you get the opportunity to volunteer uh, in a nonprofit organization, look at it as, hey, I will be able to build my network, meet new people, people out there that if you, they see that you're hardworking and you're determined, they will open their doors for you and try to help you, you know. Um, you might not have the financing, but if you sit at home and you just wait for money to come at you, nothing will ever happen. You know, put yourself out there and you will attract what you're looking for. Always keep your eye open. Uh, Thea and I would always say that everybody, we have this thing where we like, the mo- most people get the same opportunity, but only the ones that are looking will, will see it when it's in front of their eyes. True. So that's how we go about, um, uh, yeah. With no. our mentality, and then I, I think I, I I think that's very very important because if you're not if you are not you know let's say opportunity knocks but you have to open the door yeah. so exactly yeah and another thing I would say um, you should never try to um, 
you should just try to give back as much as possible because that's the only way you get meaning to, in your life too. I've gone through a lot of um, hardship in my life. And if I had to sit at home and think about, hey, what is my purpose in life and think about it's all about me, I would feel miserable. When I help these students and, and I, I hear their stories about, oh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but after being part of your program, I really want to get into tech or biotech. And this is so exciting and fun for me. That gives me joy. You know, that, that gives me purpose. And um, I think everyone should, should have a little bit of the giving back spirit in them. When I work with my students, I, I explained to them this last time on recruiting for the next program that I'm doing this project to give back to you because I want to develop the, the community. But one requirement is, are you willing to give back when you're done? Are you willing to share what you've learned from me to someone else? Maybe get an apprentice or come back and, and share with the other students what you've learned. That's our motto. And that's the only way to scale up, expand, work as a team and get further um, developing our community here and regional, local, local, local regional, et cetera. I love it. I love the vision that you have. And looking back, um, you know, knowing what you know now, is there anything or what would you have told your younger self? I would tell myself, uh, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, if I, I'm a person, sometimes I can be a perfectionist. Before I'm able to do something, I would do it a million times or I would doubt myself. I'm so grateful I have Theo, my mentor, that would always hype me up before and he believes in me. And like I mentioned that I do not like talking about myself. He's usually the one telling everyone about me, you know, um, and I doubt myself often. I'll be like, just do it because no, no one else is trying, like in the community, if you don't do it, you know for sure nothing is going to happen. If you try, at least you tried. Right. You know. Right. So that's what I would say. No, that's awesome. So um, <laughs> you have Codets, you know, coming up. You have the big hackathon coming up. You have your next um, version of your program coming up. You have, you're working with the young kids. So if, and I love your idea of the innovation school. So for people that are listening and they want to contribute or they want to be part of your program, how can they get a hold of you? How can they talk to you if they want to help out or they want to be part of it? What, what, where would, where, what can they do? Uh, you mean contact information? Sure. Yes. So I am on, uh, we have a website, codethats.org. Um, I can give you my information to share. Uh, I have my Facebook, uh, Codets Facebook page. We have Codets Instagram. We have our LinkedIn Julie Sundar, you can contact me on LinkedIn. I'm a person, I like to be, um, have quick communication. Emails to me are really formal. Maybe it's because I am, you know, I don't know, they call me millennial, but I don't really <laughs> like using that term. But everyone that tries to contact me, I am open for a WhatsApp call or a WhatsApp message because it's very flexible. We can get to the point, cut the small talk, you know, just get to, because we're all about um, hands-on and getting to work, you know. So if you would like to contact us, you can contact via our, um, That's our awesome. e my, my email, which is codas at org. Very cool. At, at gmail.com. Very cool. So I'm, I wish you the very best of luck, Julie. I know you're going to be, look at you. I'm so proud of you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> From somebody who didn't even think that, oh, I can't do this because I don't speak Dutch to actually helping out not only your country, but other countries as well. You should be very, very proud. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. And, 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 and 
what was funny actually about the English under that when I started this program I was teaching students from eight to um yeah eight to eleven robotics engineering with Lego and these little kids are all Dutch students and they end up speaking English in my class <laughs> because they all know English from the from the television <laughs> that is hilarious it was an experience yeah <laughs> so how good is your Dutch now <laughs> well I don't speak Dutch Yeah, I know I should, but I understand it completely. If if someone comes in and speaks to me in Dutch, I I can respond in English. But I think I should I should start taking that a little bit more serious. So th- so that should not affect your um uh, your degree when you go when you go back to school, is it? Not Because... at all, not at all. Most of it is actually even in English right now. That's awesome. You know. So, so yeah. that is very cool. So congratulations and the very best of luck. And I can't wait to see your name in the lights because I know you're going <laughs> to be amazing. You so, so thank, thank you, you for so taking much, the. Money. Oh no! Thank you for taking the time for to be here today. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.